Hello and welcome to the EVs and Beyond podcast. I'm your host, Richard Edwards. I hope you didn't miss us too much last week. We decided to shift our release timing from late in the week to earlier to fit better with our email newsletters. I hope you already subscribed to those. This episode, though, is worth the wait. We have an interesting chat this time with Carol Abrazovic Made, I hope I got that right, the Managing Director of BMW New Zealand. We discuss the upcoming iX3, the Mini Cooper Electric, and more. But first, some news. With the election coming, parties are announcing their EV policies and, well, get ready to be underwhelmed. Labour have suggested the clean car plan, originally a green policy, may return and are focused on pushing New Zealand to 100% renewable energy. They've also pledged to boost the low emission vehicles contestable fund, which they inherited from the last government. Nationalists dug back into their old policy book as well, pledging to continue the road user charge exemption and add a fringe benefit tax exemption. EVs would also go back into bus lanes, a controversial move. Nationals' target is 80,000 EVs on the road by 2023. Waikiki Island's shift to become entirely electric for transport has been given a boost, with confirmation its first batch of electric buses will arrive in November, and a second batch in December. The island has also just received its first electric rubbish truck, an Isuzu MPR with a sea electric drivetrain. Lastly, Nissan has hit a new milestone with its Leaf EV. The 500,000th Leaf has just been delivered to a customer in Norway. Today we are joined by a relative newcomer to New Zealand, but no stranger to the automotive industry. We're joined by BMW New Zealand Managing Director Carol, and look, I'm not going to offend you by attempting to pronounce your surname. Could you just run past your surname for us? Yeah, it is also very difficult to my folks. Yeah, so my name is Abrasovic Made, but I do have some tricks to teach you how to pronunciate and we can maybe do it over the glass of wine (laughs) one day separately. Fantastic. Well, look, thank you very much for joining us. Now, on to electrics. I love electrics. Oh, me too. <laughs> I, I've seen you actually coming with the Mini Electric. Yeah? Yes, yes. I've been I've been driving around in the uh, the new Mini Cooper mm. E or Electric for a couple of days now. Absolutely loving it. Um, <laughs> Glad to hear that. <laughs> and of course, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the i3. Now, we, we touched this before the interview, actually. I, I, there's been a lot of talk about the i3 coming to an end, but you're saying it's... Uh, could you tell me how much longer that car is going to be around for? I mean, can people still come and get an i3 at the moment, uh, which was BMW, I guess, first properly electric vehicle in New Zealand. So presumably some time ago, we may think that an i3 is coming to an end of its life cycle. Now, if I look at what the company plans, I'm in the belief that we will still have that car on the market for quite a time. Even eventually, if one day, we would need to come to our conclusion to disconnect. We will have enough of other electric vehicles on the market to continue the successful story of this pioneering, fully sustainable, sustainable car. So i3, first of all, for me, is like a 360 degree sustainable approach towards the production and then and then the vehicle. Yeah. So it is produced in a plant in Germany, which was which is powered by the 100 percent green energy. Batteries which are being being used in that plant are being used in the, the German elec- uh, power grid for storing the, basically the green energy. And then we have a lot of the elements of the vehicle which are like a fully, fully recyclable. So it, it brings me to the point we, we have started definitely a long journey with the i3. And uh, even if we don't have it, uh, the soul of that vehicle will live in every single car that we are n- now proposing to the market following the power of choice strategy, which means basically petrol, 
maybe with a petrol diesel, combustion engine, plug-in hybrid, and electric. And uh, the learnings that we have made at the time of producing the nitrate, they will never be forgotten. Mm. We will have the nitrate presumably for years with us, not necessarily as a car, but as a brand. Because <laughs> it, is, it, is, it is quite an iconic car. I mean, I, I put it up totally highly. Uh, and, and I guess it arguably is living on that. I believe the Mini has elements of the i3 drivetrain in its, in its systems that, that it uses. Of course, the next car that's coming along, or at least as we understand it, that will kind of be a, the main start of that power of choice program, which which that is actually the name of the kind of concept you guys are working by, I understand, is the is the iX3. Yes. Are you able to give us any more hints as to when that's going to land in New Zealand yet? I would love to be extremely detailed about the delivery, but I also learned quite quickly about the constraints of the New Zealand market if it comes to basically the sea freights. Yeah? So one thing is for sure, whenever the car is available, it is about to be dispatched to New Zealand, which uh, we may know that the plans are that we are expecting to have the first deliveries of the iX3 globally starting around, around this year. Then it, the, the next vehicle, which is basically an i4, so let's call it eventually like a comparison to the three series electric will follow either the same year or a year after and the next car will be an INX. So we, if we presumably frame all of that within upcoming, let's say, bold 24 months, we will definitely have a lot of electric vehicles and we shouldn't forget that by the end of 2023, our company will offer globally 25 electrified vehicles, half of which will be fully electric. So we're talking about the three years. On the road, we have two cars. So I would say there are another at least 10 to go. Mm. I'll press you harder on it. <laughs> iX3 by end of this year, by middle of next year, because it was originally scheduled to be here 2020. But you mean that's... discontinuation? No, no, iX3. When will iX3? IX3? I'd love to see it this year, but I tend to believe we need to be realistic and think about the next year. Okay, okay. So potentially this year, <coughs> but likely early next year. Let us surprise you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess on the other side of surprise, do we, do we have a ballpark for price yet? We are usually not disclosing the price until the, the time of our, uh, of our launch, but I think it will always follow the general grid. Of, uh, of how we position the, the pricing of the vehicle. And uh, it, will, it will remain at the level where we offer a strong substance at the premium price. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Has there been much interest yet? I mean, if people have been walking into the dealerships trying to ask for the same information I am and, and put their name down for one? We will start doing that uh, soon. Uh, what we see, we see a very rising interest into the interim uh, car, which is uh, basically X330e, which offers already electric range up to 60 kilometers, which from that perspective in Auckland is actually a very solid one day of uh, driving electric. And uh, this car is <coughs> is available. So there's like a fully plug-in hybrid chargeable car. And we presumably will see a strong uh, uptake of that car and the customers eventually will be swapping later on to a fully electric vehicle, which I hope to believe. And uh, what we also see on a New Zealand market, it's um, an early buyer market. So we have a lot of fast adapters. Yeah. So I will see a rather like a fast ramp up at the very beginning once we have it. And of course, this will be coming from a very strong base of a forward orders, which we now actually have 
uh, mini electric. Mm -hmm. So this is what we experienced. Actually, the, the car is an absolutely sold out. Mm -hmm. And now we are getting more and more orders. But I presume you can only confirm how beautiful it is to drive that vehicle. I guess that's the challenge that a lot of the, the brands, particularly the premier of the market, have had with launching electric vehicles into New Zealand. It's not so much how many they can sell, it's how many they can get. Do you have a, expecting that to be a similar thing as you come through the next two stages with iX3? I mean, I know i3 probably not quite the same because it is somewhat restricted for mm. some traditional users, but iX3, you'll think that'll be a seller as well based on what's playing? It all, of course, depends how, first of all, we as a New Zealand economy will be doing. It all depends, of course, how well the publicity will accept the electric uh, vehicles and eventually in how far we could uh, see a fruition of the some of the ideas of a monetary or non-monetary in 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 incentives for, for our market. We... Presumably supposed to, uh, to see the plug-in hybrid and electric vehicles as a cars which are having a, a history which is less than 10 years. And we, we were building cars for, for the last like 90 years. And the volume of the vehicles and basically the supply chain and the sourcing of the materials and the technology which has been developed definitely and the scale of the business definitely allows to put on the market vehicles which are probably more affordable, yeah? Or maybe the, the, the range of a price discussion, which Kiwi loves to have, is, is more, more flexible. And uh, in order to have the, offer the same to our customers, I think like, uh, many parties need to come together, like, uh, for example, our endeavor with the ChargeNet mm. and uh, co-development of the infrastructure of, I think now, around 120 DC charges across the country. Yeah? And uh, we're proud that we've been in the game from the very beginning co-investing. So that, that is the first step. Eventually, the, the ideas like we already had in the past for Oakland, like, uh, uh, the electric vehicles driving on the bus lines, or maybe a preferential uh, preferential car uh, uh, parking spots in the, in the city. Not even mentioning co-initiatives like we have in the Germany with the governments, where the German government has offered 9,000 euro subsidy uh, for an electric vehicle, whereas it is a composition of the 6,500 uh, 6, coming from the government and 2,500 coming from a manufacturer. Then, then this 9,000, I would say, euro is definitely an appealing deal for a customer. And uh, if not, then uh, we need to find the ways to, to sell the value of a product and a cost services around it and uh, look at the saving of the time that it's uh, that is being spent in the in the traffic so on and so forth I would say in order to to speed up the, the, the uptake of the electric vehicles there are many elements which should uh, come uh, into game but I like I love to believe that we New Zealanders, at least as a BMW group in New Zealand, can come at least to a penetration rate of a 13%, like the European markets have with the electrified vehicles, and we are well, well below that. With iX3 specifically, there's a couple of interesting aspects that have come out as the run-up has gone to the launch of the vehicle. One is that it's rear-wheel drive only in a market where SUVs are generally all-wheel drive, certainly in yeah. New Zealand, and also that it's, that it's Chinese-built. Do you think buyers will have any issues with either of those items? Interestingly, what we, what we see, we see a lot of the SUVs, and we do know that basically almost like a 60% of our total sales are SUV. 
being purchased also with uh, we call it an S drive only, which is uh, basically a career or the, or the, or the, or the front, uh, front drive. That gives me also an, an indication that SUV not necessarily always means a four-wheel drive. And then there are still differences between South and North Island. I would tend to believe that the South Islanders are much more X-drive driven. And then basically uh, North, uh, North Islanders more towards the, or maybe equalized, like a rear or the all-wheel drive. Whereas looking at the city commuting, like the, like the Oakland is, and the Oakland, from the perspective of the volume, is around 60% of the total volume of a country. Do we really need a, a strong uh, X-Drive? Aucklanders have a terrible habit of buying for the one <laughs> ski trip they take a year down to, uh, down to Whakapapa. <laughs> I would say we, we're happy to, uh, to, deliver, uh, to deliver that. However... I strongly believe that the, our company has found a solution for that. And a solution for, for those considerations is a power of choice. Power of choice gives us an opportunity to adjust our supply to the demands of our, of our customers. So we need to acknowledge that we tailor-made services to customers in the premium segment. And we need to be realistic about the timeline of a, or an uptake of the electric, electric vehicles. So I'm confident there will be still a buyers for a combustion engine. There will be a buyers for the plug-in hybrids and there will be buyers for a fully electric car knowing that we will be offering a plug-in hybrid and electric cars as an all-wheel drive as well in the future gives me a confidence that with the development of an interest in the electrification, we will be expanding our portfolio, which uh, means we will have a little bit something for everyone. And uh, we need to continue to cooperate with our strong database that we have in our portfolio. So I do believe that the product will find its buy on the market. And I can only believe that for those ones who eventually will be in favor of, a, of an X-Drive, they, they will either wait or get a, our the plug-in hybrid vehicle or simply step into the S-Drive and uh, wait for the X-Drive to come and through the financial services offers, we will help them to bridge that gap. Mm. And and the Chinese manufacturer, I mean, from my point of view, why I said is it probably makes very, mm. no difference from a quality side. There may be some perception there, but I'd argue it gives you slightly better opportunity mm. to get better volume down to the center of the world. And thank you very much for bringing me back to this unanswered question. One of the principles I have learned as a student, as a, I have said at the very beginning, I, I have started in a plant. I truly understood what the quality means for BMW and this obsession of a developer product that it's absolutely perfect in every moment and right after it, it also ends up on the, on the street. The another, another principle was that uh, our production follows demand, which means we are having our factories in the circle of gravity where the markets are developing. And uh, we do know that the Chinese market is one of that market, which is, we may openly say, is the biggest. Yeah, And it's about to further grow. And it's uh, basically 
having a high congestion, congestion of the people. So actually the probability to have like a very strong uptake of an electric vehicles in those area is much higher than over here. So I would say the production follow a demand and then production secures the same level of equality regardless of the fact where we produce it, as from that spot, we are also transferring it to the rest of the rest of the globe. And uh, we have a plant in the South Africa. We have a plant in uh, Mexico. We have a plant in uh, America. We have a completely knocked down productions in many other spots. I Presumably, I may say, if we would start thinking about the cultures, like uh, South Americans, how they may produce cars, or maybe Americans. We do know how the Americans' cars are being produced. <laughs> we may come to a conclusion eventually this may have an impact of what we offer. But in U.S., we are producing the our luxury vehicles starting from an X7. Mm-hmm. We are producing an X5. These are the vehicles that are tapping up the potential with our most, let's say, wealthy customer customer base. The similar approach is for, for, for Chinese buyers. We can't afford ourselves to lose a trust. So one thing is for sure, we are setting ourselves for the strong corporations and the China for us is a market where we cooperate also with uh, strategically with them um, in a production plants, but we can't fail. The customer, regardless of the fact where, where it sits, is a premium customer and we have a responsibility to stick to the premises of a premium. A BMW has to be a BMW no matter where it's built in the world. And it has to remain BMW through and through, through our DNA, offering the same driving experience regardless of a powertrain, including the electric. Mm, Excellent. Fantastic. Look, thank you so much for joining us today, Carol. It was a pleasure. Brilliant. And uh, we will uh, catch you up next time once, or hopefully next year, perhaps once there's an iX3 here that we can have a a bit of a play with and a chat about. Thank you very much once again, and I hope to talk to you soon. Fantastic. Thank you again to Carol for joining us, and thank you for listening. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, rate, share, shout from the rooftops about this podcast on whatever app or website you're listening to it on. We really do appreciate it. Also, don't forget to check out the latest EVs and Beyond magazine. It's out this week. We cover off the British EV invasion, even though, as we point out, it's coming via China and Germany. There's a lot of really great reading in there. Uh, Thanks very much. We'll see you again in two weeks' time. (music) 